Hi, everyone. Welcome okay. to an another episode of Humans of AI. I'm Sheikh Shuvel, and we'll be talking to the leaders who are building the technology that's changing our world. Today, I'm uh, pleased to share Stephen Kim with you, the CEO of Nota America. Nota is a leader in hardware-aware AI optimization and edge solutions. Stephen, thanks for taking the time to join us. Thank you for inviting. Uh, can you hear me okay? Yeah, yeah. There was just a brief pause, but we are good to go. Okay, cool. great. Well, 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 Stephen, the very first question I have for you is, uh, Nota obviously does so many different things. But if you had to describe your job to a five-year-old, what would you say you do? I do get this question a lot from my kids. So what do you do? <laughs> what does your company do? So the way I expect my kid, kids that we take uh, really large AI models and yeah. we compress them in a way that it consumes less energy, but mm -hmm. performs better. So it can be used at a number of different places, including like all the edge computings that we're talking about these days. Yeah, nice. And how old are your kids? Seven and nine. So they don't understand the concept of edge computing, but what I tell them is how <laughs> our models are going to traffic cameras, facial recognitions under door locks. And, you know, drive mining systems for like the, you know, Tesla cars and things like that. Well, that, that, that yeah. So that type of examples uh, would, would be helpful to understand nice. what we do. Yeah. I'm just a couple of years behind you. My girls are six and eight. So I'll have to come to you for tips on how to talk to them about tech. <laughs> of course. Sure. Well, cool. Well, uh, tell us about your career story and how you landed where you are. It must have been quite a journey. Yeah, so, you know, I was a physics major when I was undergrad, and I got my engineering degree from University of Michigan. My first job was at Intel in 2000. I used to work as a process engineer in the fab, and then I got my business degree from Columbia during the, you know, economic recession in 2008, and and, and I ended up going back to Korea to work for Samsung, mm -hmm. and I worked as a corporate development team at Samsung Electronics. Then uh, I actually took the took the leap of faith and started working in a startup world since 2016. Mm -hmm. So this company that I'm with, Nora AI, my co-founders are, you know, they're looking for someone who can who has a little bit more experience than they had. And I want to bring my experience to the table so that the, the company has a really solid direction in terms of where they need to go and grow. Nice, nice. Awesome. Now, it is, uh, you mentioned you were at University of uh, Michigan. Did you, what was your experience there? I actually uh, used to live in Detroit and Ann Arbor for many years, so it's always fun to meet oh, really? another person who, who knows Michigan. Yeah, I, I spent my graduate years at the University of Michigan. I, uh, I studied material science and career engineering or radiological science. So, yeah, I was a dual major at the University of Michigan, so I spent most of the time on the North Campus you know, uh, working as a research assistant and plus, uh, you know, as a as a student at these two dif different engineering departments. Nice. I, I feel more than any other school in the world. Whenever I travel around the world, I see <laughs> the most Michigan t-shirts. Yeah, I, I love their, you know, logos. And, and uh, I um, used to go to their games a lot. So I, I'm a huge fan of University of Michigan. Awesome. Football team and their athletic teams. Now, in, uh, in working at uh, Intel and then at Samsung, when you started diving into the startup world, what are some of the differences that you noticed there? Were there any major changes to how you worked in going from a corporate to a startup setting? 
You know, I knew I was getting into something that I had no experience in, and but I didn't realize how much I didn't know. So in terms of the types of, you know, challenges I have to face and, and uh, you know, and it basically when you join a startup, you everything has to change about you except for, you know, your family members and, you know, things like that. <laughs> so, so I had to change basically everything about myself in terms of the, how I work, how I talk to people, you know, I and because I used to work at a corporate where there were uh, really strict rules about how to, you know, make things work. At startups, basically, there, isn't, there are no rules. So whatever works, you have to apply them. And you have to run everything on the job because no one te- teaches you anything. So so I have to pick up everything on the job while you're moving. So it's like I usually compare this to, I think that, you know, when you are jumping out of the airplane, <laughs> basically, before you hit the ground, you have to basically assemble the Something like a parachute, so you don't actually die. So, yeah, right. so if you don't do that, do that within the given time, you're basically, you know, your your company will will not be successful, right? So, so I we are you're we, I'm always under like you know this pressure to yeah. produce results within a given time with a very little resources. So, pretty much, I had to do everything, you know, that which I didn't have to do in a corporate environment. So, I realized how shorter. My yeah. life was for my first 16 years of my career until I actually joined a startup. Right. Well, it sounds like your your parachute works at least, and you're floating about. Many times I crash. <laughs> I, I learned from a uh, couple of mistakes that I made. So, you know, when I joined Noda, I I, I try not to repeat the kind of mistakes that I made earlier. Yeah. Huh. Well, in, in looking at the other startups you've been a a part of, is there anything? particularly different about leading a startup with AI technology versus another type of tech? Yeah, so the previously I was, you know, working at the IoT, um, print-on-demand, some, you know, more-based startups. So here it's very tech-centric mm-hmm. and AI is moving at a, at a lightning, you know, lightning speed, right? Easy, especially with the GNI and, you know, um, thanks to ChatGPT and everything else that's happening in this ecosystem, you know, things are moving really fast. So we have to be also twice as as fast, you know, to be able to just keep up with everything. And then we have to, I, well, I always tell my team that uh, the speed is the key for our survival. Mm-hmm. Because the only thing that we have compared to all these big companies is that we can move faster. So we can decide things faster. We can, we can work on things faster. So, so, that kind of you know speed we can lose. Otherwise, we will we're left behind if we're gonna just keep doing what we are doing. You know, last month. So mm-hmm. things things can change overnight in this you know uh, in landscape these days. So so we try to be on top of everything as much as we can. So we are always paranoid. We are always trying to be you know aware of what's happening in the uh, in in this industry right now. Mm-hmm. Fascinating, fascinating. Well, uh, taking that step back a bit, uh, tell us more about what your company does. I, I saw some amazing uh, partnership announcements with with Renesis launched recently. It sounds like there's a lot of I- interesting things going on. Yeah, so you know, initially we started as a more service focused company. We would we would build these very lightweight AI models that our customers can deploy at the edge. 
yeah. like you know door locks or the exit control systems, the dry modding systems, you know, intelligent transportations. But what we end up happening, oh, what we end up like focusing on is actually we try to be become more product focused company yeah. by providing this product that can help other AI engineers build, optimize, and deploy AI models faster, better. So, so these. Particular pipeline that we built, we, we dubbed it as a Nespresso. I'd be confused with a famous copy maker, but basically you want to use this pipeline to, you know, increase our productivity. So that used to take us to two weeks to build, optimize and deploy these AI models. We can do this in, you know, a few hours uh, or a couple of days at most. So, so that way we are able to produce these kind of AI models for, I mean, the target market that we are looking at is not this large multi-billion dollar market for LLM, but we are looking at maybe $5 million, $1 million market where there, you know, that requires computer divisions or, uh, you know, SLLMs and, and, uh, you know, these the smaller niche markets in the long tail that, that the requires this kind of computer vision and, and, and SLM to be deployed so that, that they can increase their customer retention experience and everything else. Got it. Is is Netspresso available as an open source framework to use? It's currently available to free one. It's a trial version right now, so you can use you can sign up for free, and we give give everyone a five hundred five hundred free credits. So with five five hundred credits, people can usually build at least a couple of models, and we also offer like a free models on our website, so you can actually go and sign up and and try some of our AI AI models we already have built. Awesome. Well, it, it seems with uh, so many different uh, AI companies launching products right now, it, it's almost a very exciting time as well as a scary time because you're battling for the same attention of a lot of the developers. Is there a, a way that you've uh, found that you've been able to evangelize your technology with the developer community? Any particular strategies that have worked to earn the trust of technical audiences? Yeah, that's a great question. And to, to be 100% honest with you, I mean, we are, I don't think we are really good at evangelizing this at, right at this point. However, the way it works with the developer community is that we show results. We show basically products that works for them, right? Because usually developers are the no BS kind of people. They they want to touch and 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 try themselves to see whether this is actually something that that works. So we don't just claim things that doesn't really work. So, so bringing this kind of product and also making sure that our benchmark and everything is consistent to what they can reproduce. Yeah. These are really important things to do. Rather than just try to evangelize right now. So we are, we are not very good at evangelizing right now, but I think that, that through our work, I, I hope that the work itself speaks for you know, itself to, you know, uh, to be trusted by, by, by the community. Awesome. Well, looking more uh, inwards then at, at the team you've recruited there, when you're hiring someone on your team, uh, outside of being excellent technically, what are some other main skills that, that you look for? Yeah, so we do. Yeah, that's, a, that's also a great question because when we actually uh, you know, look at a candidate, uh, it, I, the main thing that we look at, of course, is whether they have the knowledge, right? But the knowledge itself can... Yeah, it can take a person so far. So you have, you know, the person needs to know how to communicate with others, also have experience in actually building something in the past. Yeah. Otherwise, they can build something that they, they can work in the lab, 
but it wouldn't work outside of the lab, right? And, and we are in the business of bringing everything outside the lab so it can go into production. So, so you know, we had a lot of really talented, you know, PhDs and, and graduate students who join our team. But if they don't master the skills to be able to bring something from just from R&D space to the actually commercial space, yeah. uh, they, they wouldn't be able to contribute as much as other people. So, so that's that's the key thing that we're looking for. Now, when you're uh, recruiting a talent, on are, are have you found any major differences between recruiting for your Korean team versus the one based in the U.S. There, in terms of how you attract candidates and uh, what types of interview questions you structure there? Well, we don't we don't actively recruit our talents in 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 Silicon Valley yet. We hope to do in the future. So if I just may talk about the, how we recruit our yeah, talents in the, in Korea, I mean, we, we try to build this uh, people first culture and innovation focused culture uh, at, at our company so that people who would join us would be happy to work here rather than they're working on something that they don't believe in and they're forced to work on. So, so, you know, as you know, the AI engineers are rarer. To find so yeah. so for us building this kind of uh, culture in our company to attract these people and retain them in a way so that, that they will be committed to our mission and 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 and, and work with us so that's a, that's the most important part awesome uh, makes a lot of sense looking at your uh, more the day to day operations of either you or your team are there any ways that you're using AI on a personal level so. We do have uh, dry mining systems and uh, you know, the exit control systems that we have built. And uh, so these are something that we do use. We, you know, we could use it in our daily lives these days. In the States, it's, we don't have a lot of digital dollars and smart dollars. I live in an apartment and so that, that's something that I would love to have yeah. in my, my apartment because in Korea, you would have a facial recognition based like access control system for yeah. your like entrance. So that's something that we would love to have. Drive mining system is also something that we would love to have here. We, we do have a commercial product that's in the market right now that you can buy it. So you can buy this to monitor your own driving and, and make sure that, that you don't get into any kind of uh, dangerous situation. Nice, nice. Those are like two great applications that I would buy as well. Now, a very last question I have for you is for someone who's just graduating school right now who's interested in getting involved in the world of AI, there's so many different ways to go about it. Mm. What are the questions that you'd encourage that person to ask to make the right decision as to which way or which company to go with? I think the main question they should ask is, uh, you know, the company they want to join, but whether the company is focusing on the same type of problem that they're interested in, right? So, so what's the problem that they're trying to solve mm-hmm. rather than yeah, what on you know some some people are fascinated with the cutting edge technologies. They lose the focus of the, how this is going to impact you know the market and also the the individual. You know they have to be you know, take an interest in this, right? So they find this technology really useful and also has to be appealing to them, and, and not just for the sake of the technology, but how this is going to impact the actual lives of people. I, I think that they're they're. I, we had a, you know, a lot of engineers who want to apply these AI to help out other, you know, make the you know, place more secure, more convenient mm-hmm. and, and, you know, and, and, you know, safer. 
for for our for our community. That's why we actually built like the intelligent transportation system, you know, to monitor the vehicle and the pedestrians so they don't get into accident at the crosswalk. So and people are very committed to saving people's lives because the latency is a key to yeah. this kind of mission critical, you know, task. So so that's something that people are passionate about. This, I mean, we we have to actually stop them from overworking. <laughs> on something like this because they would stay up all night to fix this issue and get uh, deliver this kind of uh, product in the market. Well, it sounds like you're recruiting your team the, the right way. That's the problem that you have. Well, we have great people. We have co-founders. Have, uh, you know, that they have a great network with other cities and they were able to... I mean, they, they need to attract just a couple of people. They would actually, from the word of mouth, they will, you know, they'll tell yeah. other <laughs> colleagues that way how we are able to, you know, attract a lot of the talents in the in, in the universities right now. Yeah. Well, well Stephen, uh, thanks again for being a part of this today. I, I'm excited to play around with Netspresso eventually and see more of your tech in the market. Thank you. Yeah. If you have any questions, it says ping me. Thank you so awesome. much. Thanks, Stephen. This podcast is brought to you by H10. Part about advanced technology that never changes is the need for the right people to design, build, and manage it. H10 offers just that with an on-demand talent and management service that covers all aspects of engineering, program management, and AI. Trusted by over 400 companies, including half of the Fortune 10, H10 is here to help lighten your load and make you the hero.